Hallelujah. It's good to see you on the first day of 2023. We're going to have family church today. And uh, we are thankful that you're here and all those that could make it. If you have a sheet of paper that the ushers handed out, it says, think outside of the box this Christmas instead of New Year's. And then, uh, because my secretary did that wrong, uh, she's on leave of absence for a while. I am my secretary, so I did that. But uh, it's supposed to say New Year's. How many people have that? If you don't have that, raise your hand and then usher will give it to you. We're going to take a, kind of a quick quiz just in a minute. Let's uh, open in prayer. Father, today I pray that God, that the word that goes forth for the first day of this 2023 would, again, not only encourage us, but enlighten us. God, it changes our thinking. Therefore, God, the process and the system that's put in place, it transforms us. And therefore, God, it changes our destiny. Never let us think of small beginnings turning into something large or doing the right things just a little at a time. Just over and over and over reaps huge benefits in our life. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. How many people have done something in your life that you just knew, let me repeat that, you just knew that you were right until you realized that you were wrong? Let me see your hand. All right, some of you are not raising your hand. I want to be friends with you because you must be okay. But what I found out is there's nothing like arguing a point to realize that I didn't have all the facts or that something that I read into it was just not correct. So this morning, just real quick, first day of the year, I kind of want to use this kind of to get us in the right thinking of where I'm going uh, and then I'll preach a short message, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper, and then we'll, uh, we'll go and start the year off. Uh, if you have that, and you have a piece of paper, I mean a pen with your piece of paper there, uh, let's see how clever you are. I'm going to ask you four questions. I'm going to ask you as quick as you can to write down the answer. If you don't have a pen, you can, again, mentally just put it down in your mind. But if you have the wrong answer, don't, don't say you had the right answer, okay? So the first question, listen carefully. You're participating in a race. And you overtake the second person. What position are you in? Write it down. Okay, question number two. If you overtake the last person in the race, then you are in what position? Write it down. Okay, now question number three is going to be a math question. And you cannot use a calculator, but in your head, I'm going to go slow. Add these numbers up. If you have a thousand... And you add 40 to it, you have 1,040, right? Okay, let's continue. Then you add 1,000 to it. And then you add 30 to it. Then you add 1,000 to it. Now you add 20 to it. Then another 1,000. 
unless you add 10 more to it. Okay, I'm going to give you the answer to this one. We'll go back to question number one and two. If you said 5,000, you're wrong. It's 4,100. I see that a lot of you don't care what you got, but we're going to go on to number five. Okay, question number five is this. Question number four, good catch. All right, here we go. Question number four, ready? Mary's father has five daughters, Nana, Nina, Nini, and Nono. What is the name of the fifth daughter? Write it down. Okay, I'm going to give you the questions again in the one, two, uh, and four. Let's see how good and clever you are. Question number one was you're participating in a race and you overtake the second person. What position are you in? If you put first, you are incorrect. If you overtake second place, then you are in second place. How many people got that? Oh, look at you. Question number, the second question. If you overtake the last person, then you're in what position? If you said last, that's incorrect. How do you overtake the last person in the race? All right, some of you are going, okay. Question number four in the last one. Listen closely. Mary's father had five daughters, Nana, Nina, Nini, and Nono. What is the name of the fifth daughter? Mary. Father has five daughters. Now, last week we talked about the wise men and sometimes how we look in tradition and we follow the power of suggestion, sometimes just on what somebody has taught us. And we don't think outside of the box. But here's what I want to ask you today, the first day of a new year. And in a lot of times, we want to start over in a lot of things that we need to start over. And I want you to have a time of evaluation, self-evaluation in your life. And really, nobody ever is going to convince you of doing this except at church. Think about it. If you go to the gas station and you get gas, the guy at the gas attendant inside that's paying, you're paying for it, isn't going to say, hey, did you do a little self-evaluation today? If you go to the hospital, the doctor isn't going to say, take a little self-evaluation of how you're doing this year. Now, he might on your health. But this morning, I want you to take a little self-evaluation because sometimes what we do is we live in a world that we're just kind of what everybody else is. And we begin to realize that we're just in a place of mediocrity. Because average is nothing more than you're the best of the worst, but the worst of the best. This morning, as Christians and people of this church, I want to excite you, but also energize you to take a step this year further than you went this last year. I don't know about you, but for me, there were some things that happened in my life and in my family that this year I'm hoping for better things. Can I get an amen to anybody else? You know, when I think back about my high school years and some of the, just the peer pressure that I went through, sometimes I, I think back and I laugh about it. The first day of college, my mother was very, is very driven, and she signed me up for my first college class, just one class in the summer, but it was the day after I actually walked and got my diploma for high school. She said, no, 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 we don't have time, go. So I went to school that first 
day following graduation, and it just so happened that she bought me a briefcase. Now, in high school, playing football, I wouldn't have been caught dead with a briefcase in high school. It wasn't the style. It wasn't something that nobody, you know, nobody had a briefcase. It was before backpacks. So we just had a bunch of books that we carried. And I remember that a guy on my football team was going to the same class I was, and he was carrying a briefcase too. And we begin to laugh. We get, how are you wearing, or how are you uh, carrying a briefcase, an attache case, when we wouldn't have done that in high school? And he goes, I don't know. It's just the peer pressure of what everybody expected us. Somebody can speak into your life, just settle words, and all of a sudden you think that that's the way it should go. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not. Some of you have heard this story, but let me tell it again. One time I was at my father-in-law's house and mother-in-law. They live in Oklahoma. And Gwen and I and my mother-in-law were in the kitchen and we were kind of talking after breakfast and the kids were little at that time and they were playing outside and uh, one of them came in and then the three others followed them and they were yelling, not fire, but what's the other thing that gets everybody energized? Snake! So I being the only man in the house and had to protect the family from the beast, you know how it is, guys. I said, look out. I went into a phone booth and changed into my Superman outfit. (laughs) And I found the longest stick that I could find in the property. They said, Dad, it went into that tongue of the trailer of my my father-in-law's 16-foot trailer. And I don't know about you, but I kind of get squirmish just thinking about the snake. And they led me over, and I was just hoping that somebody, something would happen that I wouldn't have to touch it or, you know, anything like that. Because they said, Dad, be careful. It's not a little snake. It's a huge black snake. Which I started going through my knowledge of snakes in Oklahoma. And I couldn't tell you if the king cobra was actually native of Oklahoma. You know how they do. Sometimes people keep them for pets and let them go. And that was in the tongue of the trailer. I just knew it. And so I creeped over and the kids were going, Dad, I'm telling you, be careful, man. It was huge. It's in the tongue of the trailer. So I got the stick and I was poking in it. I looked and my mother-in-law and Gwen had followed, of course, at a comfortable distance behind me. And I got the stick and I started poking it in, knowing that any minute that it was going to jump out and the beast was going to attach itself to my neck. Anybody? So I was poking that thing and poking it when all of a sudden the phone that was in my pocket was on vibrator. And somebody called me and went, eh, which did the oochie goochie dance. Oochie, oochie, oochie. And I looked behind me, and my mother-in-law was doing the hoochie-goochie dance, too. No snake was ever found that day. This morning, I want you to see this, is because just the power suggestion that there was a snake in that trailer, I already had in my mind that there was a snake bigger than me that I couldn't really handle. And when something happened, to even clarify that, I was in agreement with it immediately. Sometimes, just like this little quiz, we initially think something's going to happen, and God says, are you going to trust me? Are you going to lean on your own understanding? Now, this year, we must invest in the treasure that's going to reap the biggest results in our life. Now, I want to, again, remind you of some of the things that we've already learned in, in weeks previous 
And the three things that we call the three prayer requests are our health. If somebody asked somebody that wasn't even a believer, but they, they thought, okay, if you're going to pray for me and there is a God, they might say, can you pray for my health? Because, you know, I'm sick or somebody else is sick in my family or my relationship. Can you pray for health? Another one is our finances. Can, can God help me in my finances? And, you know, I, I can't pay a bill or I, I have something coming up that I, I have to have. And the third one is our relationships. Can you pray for me and my children that we get along better, or my wife or my, my boss at work? And those things all working together should not get us to the place of being surprised when we're working on those things and trusting God to bring us to another level in our lives that that will equal happiness in walking in the favor of God in our lives. Now, now listen to this. If one day we pray for finances, but we've never managed our finances, it seems to me that most people cannot believe. It's almost like we talked about a few weeks ago, that God, I, I, I'm, I'm just a servant. I, I messed up so much in my finances. God, you could never fix my finances. Or in my relationships. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of people that can walk around being a jerk. And they don't realize why they don't have any friends. They don't realize there's some people that will eat anything that they want as much as they want. But when the doctor says, you have a health problem, they're like, what? Me? As we start out the first part of 2023 and you look back on the years previous, you might say, you know, Pastor, I really haven't spent a lot of times in those areas working on those areas in my life. We believe in a miracle that God can do in our life, but at the same time, God has given us the ability not only to have faith, but as the Word of God says, faith without works is dead. So this morning, I want us to look at some very practical things because we're all resourced with pretty much all the same thing. If you think about it, we all have the same time in our life. We have 24 hours a day. We have strength, we have energy, we have material resources. But the one thing that is limited that we can't get a refund on is the time. So it's in investing the time that we have in the thing that's going to reap the best and the most return that this time next year, going into 2024, that we'll see things begin to change. See, the enemy... If we don't focus on the right things, he begins to clutter our lives with distractions and people and meaningless projects that come into our life. And it seems like we're doing a lot of things, but we're doing a lot of things that really don't matter. So the question is, when you look at 2023 and you think, okay, what stays and what goes in my life? Sometimes the things that we think are bringing us the happiness are really sapping the energy from the things that are most important. Pastor, I just love jelly donuts. It makes me happy. It's time to say goodbye to the jelly donuts if you can't walk around the block afterwards. Put a little, put a little pressure on the pressure that comes into your life. You know, in... in college I had a landscaping business and I really didn't know anything about landscaping when I started so I bought a book and I remember as somebody said can you trim the trees in my yard I said well sure I can 
And of course, when you talk about pruning trees, I always thought that you start, and really pruning is coming down to just the ones that are dead. Just take off the dead branches. But as I read the book, it, begins to, it began to explain, no, you take off what they defined and what landscapers defined as the suckers. They're the ones, they're the good branches, they're alive, but they're just not putting the right harvest from that tree in the right place. In other words, you'll see sucker branches going down. So landscapers will prune those and keep the tree going up. But when you have fruit trees, the branches that are not bearing fruit are the ones that are pruned. Now think about it in your life. Here we are. Nobody's holding you accountable this morning. But you can hold yourself accountable. You can have a time of self-evaluation and say, as we sang today, I just want to thank you, God, for all the things, even the little things that you've given me. But as we start this year, we can stop and say, whoa, 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 now. God has blessed me with so many things, and I'm taking those things for granted in a lot of areas, and I'm not taking and putting the most energy that's going to bring the best glory and the most glory to God. Let me ask you this morning. What is the most wildly important and productive thing right now going on in your life? What does heaven want to manifest through you now in this season of your life? I realize in my life to look for the greatest harvest isn't the same as when I was in my 20s or my 30s. Because I'm in my teens. I'm kidding, just see if you're paying attention. But in this season, when I'm in my 50s, I begin to look and say, you know what? What is going to bring the best result into my life that I do not have the same things that I looked at when I was in my 20s and 30s? When I think about the things that I've been patiently waiting on, because without patience, faith isn't uh, able to exist. There's a lot of people that will say, I've had a lot of faith for a lot of things. Did you see anything manifest? No, I gave up before they even came into the physical realm. But when you begin to look and think about the things and people in the Bible that have been used as our examples, I want to give you a few. And every time that I give you a few, what we need to do is when we hear the word of God, we say, God, thank you for that story in the book Bible, in that book that God I read that's called the Holy Bible, that I base my belief system and how my belief system, I make choices and how my choices, I'm, I put myself in experiences. But the first one I want you to think about is here's this little shepherd boy and he's anointed to be king of the country that he's living in. His social calendar is not very full because he's out on the pasture with sheep every day. But he has been given the, the credentials by God that you're going to be the next king of Israel. I often think, what did he do out there on the pasture? He had enough faith and patience to return after the anointing to being a shepherd. Is that not crazy thinking about that? Because a lot of times when God gives us something, we do not, first of all, wait until God manifests that in our life. We still believe. We don't give up. Here's David and he goes out and later in his life, he will again record songs, psalms, that he wrote while he was in the position of waiting on God to exhibit what he's promised in his life. When you think about Abraham, and it says that he went and he left the city where he was with his family to go to an invisible city that was the 
the author and the foundation was given to God, by God, to Abraham. We think he lived in tents. So did his son and his grandson live in tents while they waited for the promise? In 2023, God has given you things in your past, and I'm asking you to bring those back alive with hope that God will continue to fulfill that in your life. Listen to this. David is mentioned in Acts chapter 2. As Pentecostal people, we celebrate Acts chapter 2 is when Pentecost came and the filling of the Holy Spirit. But what is said of David in verse 26 says this. David said, I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's at my right side. I'm glad from the inside out. I'm ecstatic. Now listen to this. I pitched my tent in the land of hope. What's God going to do for you in 2023? Are you thinking that 2023 is going to be exactly like 2019 or 20 or 21 or 22? Chances are when you get to 24, you'll say, yeah, pretty much the same last year. But David said, God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And therefore, I will put myself always in a place of hope in my life. See, when God wants to promote you from the physical, I mean, from the spiritual to the physical realm, what you've been believing for by faith actually happens in your life. You have to go from the time of not being so concerned about everybody that's against you. And again, focus on who is for you. And that is the creator of the universe. Now this morning, I want you to remember something. And again, as you hear this story, you say, God, thank you for that story that again increases my faith. Because God, if you have come to earth and you died for us to be our Savior, and we celebrate Christmas every year as we did last week, how much faith, really think about it, if God can do that, how much faith do you have to have to have him do something amazing in your life this year? Maybe the size of a mustard seed? Yeah, yeah. But when I read this passage in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 27, see, a lot of us aren't under pressure to the point that we're fearful for our life. But let me just explain this situation. There's a, a mighty army, really the most powerful nation on the earth at this time, and they have come down and they've laid siege to Jerusalem. And they're all around, and the king gets a letter from the enemy general that says, we're going to come in and take you. Your God doesn't mean anything, just like all the other gods that we've already conquered. Now, what did he do? Again, we're talking about you in 2023. And sometimes we get to the place where we think, you know, it's just impossible. Why? Because we put limits on our God. And Sennacherib is the king general. He's the king, really, and he's the one that's laid siege. And the king of God, our God's king, is at Jerusalem, and his name is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah takes that letter, and he takes it in, and he puts it on the altar of God and says, God, do you hear what the enemy says about you? Now, when you think about your life this year, we, the one thing we don't know, what the future holds for you, for me, but we know who holds our future. That write a song about that. 
I don't know about you, but I love to watch a movie that the underdog beats the champion, the David and Goliath story. But think about you being in a walled city, starving to death, and the enemy says, we're going to come and kill you. Now, here's what our God said to Hezekiah about Sennacherib, the enemy. He says this, but I know where you are. In other words, the enemy that's hurling all these insults at the people of God. I know where you are and when you come and go and how you rage against me because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way you come. Okay. In verse 32, he goes on. I love this. He says, he will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come here before it, before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I, do you hear this? God saying, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of my David, my servant. Now, if you're Hezekiah, you might go, God, I believe. But what you and I are waiting on and what we are looking at in the Bible is, did God do what he said? And we read the story and we go, wow, he always does what he says in the Bible. But why is it when he says something to us through the word of God and speaks to us that we question it? And in this passage, it says this. After he says the words, I will defend the city and save it. Verse 35 says this, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, who were the people? You. You're the people of God that have been insulted by the enemy. Now you weren't there, but these people are saying, if God doesn't, if God doesn't, do, if God doesn't do something, we're done. Well, God did something. And I'm telling you, if he did it then, he can do it today. 185,000 of the Syrians died that day. The next day, the people of God got up, and there were dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. Later, it'll say that he is killed. We know story after story how God has come through in the word of God. And I'm encouraging you today to take initiative. When I think of the story of Esther and her uncle or cousin, Haman, and, and how the whole story went in to affect that he says, if you don't stand up, God's going to bring somebody else to this situation that will bring deliverance to the people of God. Who knows that you're not here for such a time as this? I want to ask you today, in your life, the thing that you've been believing for, the thing that God has placed in your heart, only you know. Sometimes we don't even tell our wives or our husbands and we say, you know what, God, that's pretty big. And if I don't, if I tell them, then they're going to kind of hold me accountable. I'm telling you today, reach and hope for it. Put your house in the place of hope. Pastor, I've lost faith. You've lost hope. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. 
Let me give you this. When God said to the people of Israel, even in the New Testament, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, the reason that the people of God did not go in and receive the promises, because we've sing, sung songs a lot, haven't we? And Lisa's led us on what? Every promise is what? Yes, and it's up to us, our amen, to get in agreement with it. The question is, do our, does our belief system put us in a place of agreeing with the promise of God and then making choices based on that promise? The reason the children of Israel didn't go into the promised land, listen to this. In verse 1 of chapter 4, For as long then as the promise of resting in Him pulls us to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. We received the same promises as the people in the wilderness, but the promises didn't do them a bit of good. Listen, because they didn't receive the promises with faith. If we believe, though, we experience that state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. I believe that this year can be the very best year of your life. And if somebody comes up to you and says, what are you believing for? I hope the answer is, that, well, I just don't know. Because without something that God has spoken to your life that you're believing for, it might be an unsaved loved one in your family. It might be something like paying off your house. Oh, pastor, you don't know how much I... I he killed 185,000 of the enemy soldiers. I think he could pay off your house. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Let's pray. Father, today, God, your grace is sufficient. God, your mercies are new every morning. And Father, we ask for forgiveness of any kind of fear, unbelief or doubt, uncertainty in our minds. That God, that you can't... God, do everything that you've asked us to do. And, Father, that we can't see those things come about in our life. That, Father, today as we take, God, the Lord's Supper, that, God, that again, we agree with you. The covenant that everything that you have belongs to us and everything that we have, God, we give to you. That, Father, that we do not doubt that you can't do the impossible. God, help us. Not to doubt that you can do the impossible in us. That we can see the impossible. God, turn into the possible. And Father, that we can glorify your name. This morning, I want you to take up